Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We give you thanks for your goodness in our lives. We give you thanks, Lord, that as we pursue you, you let yourself be found. As we seek you, you reveal yourself to us, Lord. And Lord, you are ever ready to speak into our hearts in each season of our life. The word comes so that we know uh, what direction to take and what posture uh, to, to stand on, Father. So we pray that today your word would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would be a light unto our path, that this word is the word that we need, O oh God, so that we can make sure that we usher in your provision to our lives, to our families, to our future. We pray that this word is the word that we need, Lord, that will sustain us in the coming seasons. We give you thanks for it closing out the year, Lord. You've been faithful this year from, from the first week of the season, even to the last days uh, of this year, 2011. And we know, Lord, that this word will serve us in the time to come. It will be just what we need, Lord, for the coming days and weeks and seasons so we pray that you give us also not only ears to hear and a heart to, to obey, but Father, allow us to walk in the faith, to stand upon your word, to let it direct our steps. And we pray, Father God, that it would settle in our hearts, Lord, to bring forth the fruit for which you send it out and bless it and allow it to not return void, Lord, but to accomplish its purpose. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, something curious about the Word of God is that God will send it in the season that you need it. And I don't know why, about a month ago, I started really looking, and this is, this is pretty, pretty powerful. I was looking deep into studying the biography of Joseph Stalin, which was the founder, the president of the Soviet Union. And I, I was just like, I was blown away by his life and seeing how a man could could lead a nation, but could not lead his own family. Um, and it's always a, a shock to me that anybody could lead a whole bunch of things and not the most important things. So as I studied the life of Joseph Stalin, uh, funny enough, yesterday as I was uh, visiting our sister Clarita at her house, there her son was, and he says, I just wrote six articles on the life of Joseph Stalin. And so there it was. That was the reason God had me go into depth into this man. Because God knows seasons and he knows times more than we do. And you'll see that it was powerful yesterday um, that I, I said, no wonder God led me into an in-depth study of this man's life. So I was able to, to uh, interchange and discuss the aspects of this man's life that don't make sense. Well, in the same way, tonight's word is one of those same things. I'm sure that God has led me um, to prepare for this word. Uh, we're going to need, we, the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, are going to have to know and understand what stillness means. And I'll tell you one thing it means. Ready? Stillness is one aspect of our human existence that we cannot stand. A human being. It doesn't matter if he's a husband, a wife, a son, or a daughter, cannot be still. 
We feel that if we're still, nothing's taking place. We feel that if there's stillness going on, nothing's happening. We feel what's going on, nothing's happening. Why? Listen to me. I can tell you to climb a mountain and you'd take off in a heartbeat and climb it. I'll tell you to drive to Canada. You'll get in your car and you'll drive to Canada. But if I tell you to be still, you'll go crazy. It'll drive you nuts. You'll say, Pastor, why am I not doing anything? Why is nothing happening? And I'll tell you something. That is the place where we find God. And, and, and when I'm telling you that we find God, we find God. And so you'll see tonight that every time there's a season of stillness in your life, or they're telling you to wait, or they're telling you to, to take a chill pill, you know something, you're like, I'm going to, no, just be still. And it's also something we cannot stand, but it's something that manifests the works of God, and, and it allows it's a powerful concept. We, uh, uh, a sign of immaturity in the things of God is not being able to be still. A sign that we don't trust God is we're going to do something about, okay, God, I waited a week. Now I'm going to get involved. Now I'm going to help you. Now I'm going to do something to nudge this process along. And, and stillness is a powerful concept because we talked about Christ being the Savior. How many were here on Christmas Day? Powerful message. And he says, world-changing Savior, talking about that Christ will usher in a salvation that will make our head just, 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 just go around. But before God ushers in His salvation, He always says, be still. And see the salvation of God. Almost like stillness is the prerequisite. If you can't be still, you won't see God. Stillness is the atmosphere that calls upon the hand of God to move. Powerful. And you figure, no, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to move. But I want to tell you where God began to speak to me was there in the book of Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. You guys all know the history of Israel's escape from Egypt as they were fleeing from Pharaoh's hand and they came right up to the edge of the Red Sea. And it was there that God began to speak to me. And he says, listen, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of God. The prerequisite to seeing the mighty hand of God move like you've never seen the before is to be able to get to the place to stand still. You know why you can't stand still? Because you're afraid. Because fear has grasped your heart. You feel nothing's going to happen. I had a friend of mine show up today and he says, Pastor, um, I, I needed to have a job in the field of accounting. And if I didn't get it right on time, I would lose out in my career. Why did God wait to the last day? Why, why did God wait to the very last moment before He showed up? I said, because you were wanting Him to, to hurry up His work. You were wanting Him to do something before. Let me ask you something. You're asking me, why did God wait the last day? And I'm going to ask you, why did you expect Him to do something other than what He wanted to do? That's what not being still is. When you're thinking that you know more than God, 
when you think that your plans should take priority to God's plans, that his agenda is not coming through like you supposed it to be. But when I see the people of Israel, I see one thing that I have to come to the conclusion to. When he says, do not be afraid and stand still, and you'll see the salvation of God, and you'll never again have to go through this process again. If you stand still, God could do his perfect work. If you stop moving and agitating what God is doing. Let me tell you something. One of the things that I see here is that the people of Israel could do nothing other than to stand still. Because if all six million, of, six million of them would have taken a straw and they said, let's sip the Red Sea out of its place, they could not have done so. So being still is all actual the realization you can do nothing anyways. You can't change events by being anxious. By moving, you can't grow another inch to your height with any manner of anxiousness that you have. And in verse 14, he says like this, the Lord is about to move on your behalf. Please, you only need to be still. You shall hold your peace. I want to encourage you with these words to only do not be afraid, be still, see the salvation of God, do not move, hold your peace. These were the words that Jesus Christ spoke to demons. Isn't it true that it's, it's those spirits that agitate us and move us and have us going all over the place that the, the Lord has says, in the name of Jesus, be still. Get these demons that are moving you in the wrong direction with the wrong sentiments and the wrong attitudes and you're creating a greater horror. You're creating a greater terror. You're messing up even further in what God wants to do. I'm, I'm, ama I'm amazed by these instructions that, that not only is God telling his people to be still, but sometimes when we're agitated by spirits that are not of the Lord, he has to say, hey, calm down. The Lord is going to fight for you. You just need to hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Why do you cry unto me? Tell the children of Israel that they go forward. The word still there is the word be silent. When we're talking about being still, we're talking about calming down your thoughts. We're talking about calming down your words because your words are inciting a whole bunch of things. We see it in the life of Sarah. Oh, Abraham, you can't have a child? Go with your, with your servant, with your maidservant. That was the time for Sarah to be still because when we're not still, we're coming up with a thousand ideas. None of them are God. None of them are rotting the work, uh, bringing past the work of what God has in His plans. Remember that a world-changing stillness, to be still, is to muzzle your mouth. It's the same word. It's the word bring to silence. It's the word calm down. This is what Jesus told the, the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the storm when they were thought, thinking they're losing their life. Jesus comes and says, be still. Be still. I want to tell you that we're living in a time and in a season when those people that are outside of God are not still. Have you seen Wall Street lately? Have you seen the mergers? Have you seen men fret? Have you seen the bailouts? Have you seen we're going to take the euro out? We're going to keep the euro in? We're going we're gonna, to... There's all manner of movement as the nations are raging. You and I are to be still. 
The Bible says in the last days, many false prophets will rise and some will say, let's go over here. There's a great move of God. Another one will say, let's go over here. There's a great move of God. And Jesus instructs us, be still. Don't move anywhere. Stay in your place. Calm your spirit. Calm your wife. Calm your, your, you're having an unsettled marriage. You're having interchange. There's there was just several couples will see movement in their marriage and all of a sudden sit down and say, you know something, let's get a divorce. I'm like, are you crazy? Why don't you just stop? Why don't you gather your thoughts? Why don't you be still? Because you're uttering words without knowledge. And it's so uncomfortable for, for man without the Spirit of God to say, shut up. Don't let those words come out. Don't let those thoughts move. Settle yourself in the stillness of the Spirit of God. We think that God only moves in the great big aspects like Elijah. He says, I want to go see God. And there was a thunderous noise. And there was the moving of the earthquakes. And there was lightning. And God was found in none of those things. But there was a small, still wind. And that's where God was. In that in that. Being able to identify with the Spirit of God. And, and, you know, it seems so cowardly to do nothing. How many, how many feel that way? I do. This is, you're at a fight. You know, it's time to swing. <laughs> it's time to get dirty. It's time to do something to make things change. And that's when God says, hey, I'm fighting. It's not cowardly to be still. It's courageous to wait upon God. The aspects of faith, of waiting upon God, is that stillness that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that God is going to shut up, show up. That God is going to show up and He's going to take matters in His hands. And how difficult it is for us to give God the glory. Why? We're praying to this virgin. We're praying to this saint. We're trying this witchcraft. We're trying every which way but lose. And God says, if I do anything now, then that gets the credit. Then that gets the glory. Then that gets the evidence. Then that gets the favor. They can't see the hand of God. They can't see God move because they're moving in every which way. And I say like this, if we, uh, we, we consider the strength that we have, why not use it? If we consider the wisdom we have, why not walk in it? Let me tell you that all your attempts out of stillness is just plain positive fruits of unbelief. And God doesn't move in the atmosphere of unbelief. God withdraws Himself and He'll wait. The Bible says that a man who doubts is like the waves of the ocean. Have you ever seen a still wave? Anybody seen a still wave? Because you're all over the place. And God says, I can't move in that atmosphere. I can't move in an atmosphere where people are trying to figure out how to move. And with every use of strength, with every use of this worldly wisdom and this character of courage that's outside the will of God, you know what you're doing? You're shutting out the expression of God. You're making God not a participant of what's going on. Again, total craziness. Uh, one man said that, that there's a big difference between being a human being and a human doing. And when you're just doing things to get credit and character, you're, you're not moving in your existence. But when you wait upon the Lord, 
those dark clouds begin to move. And unbelief begins to give way to faith. And this confusion that we raise begins to remove the dust storm so that you can see the salvation of God. And we see it all over the place. In Isaiah 19.11, there's the expression of God asking the nations of those times, surely the leaders of Zoan are fools. Pharaoh's wisdom, wise counselors give foolish counsel. How do you say to Pharaoh, I am the son of the wise, the son of ancient kings? Men who tried to do something to show forth who they were, and, and God's wisdom is to be still and know that He is God. And nothing can move faster and wiser and greater and more fruitful than the hand of God. Faith allows us to do just the opposite of moving and walking in anxiousness. Faith allows us to stand still and see God. As I see there, Pharaoh coming after these people, the Red Sea in front of them, uh, mountains surrounding them, they could do nothing. And so in the midst of this scenario, we're giving the instructions in Philippians 4.6, be anxious for nothing. Anxiousness moves you. Anxiousness moves your thoughts. Anxiousness removes your peace. Anxiousness steals. You know, it makes you come up with creative ideas. You'll have a thousand ways you're going to do stuff before you have waited to see God move. Not being still allows you to continue tiptoeing at the shallow end of the pool when you're still doing things on your own strength. When, when you still have, you have a platform of doing what you think. Going where you know. But you know something? If you were to go farther into the depth of something called being still, there's nothing you're doing. You don't feel the floor. It's too deep. You know what that's called? That's called the atmosphere where God shows up. You don't have the ability to do nothing. You can't open the Red Sea. You can't fight Pharaoh. When you sit there and you cease to be anxious, and this is powerful, as we led into this time of prayer on Friday, he says, be anxious for nothing. That means quit trying to take matters into your own hands, but in everything, make your prayers and your supplications and your requests be made known to God. Because when we're still, we're saying, God, you are wiser than me. You're more able than I am. You are stronger. Lord, you are more knowing. You know what to do. You will... Bring me to a higher place. Your glory will be complete. His works will be the only thing seen at the depth of His power, depth of His glory, depth of His territory, where men fear to tread. You know, this is a word that God could only speak to people who are able to trust Him. And I'm telling you, not only into personal matters in, these, in your seasons of life now, but as we go into the next year, listen to me. If there's anything you could do to, to, to roll back all those areas that you have rolled into to take care of business and just bring in 
your robes and say, God, I am going to trust you in this season. And, and it's going to get really, really intense, but I want to tell you that you're not going to be able to do anything about what's coming in the future. In your own strength, nothing is going to get done. I'm reminded of, of these aspects of difficulties that we'll find ourselves in in the near future. And Jesus says, when you see these things taking place, it's almost like you're not going to be able to do anything. Just lift your eyes. Your redemption is near. It doesn't say run. It doesn't say run up the mountain, run it up in a high place. It doesn't say go get buy grenades, go buy ammunition, go and, and get. No, he says lift up your eyes. Because in every season of our life, and even throughout Scripture, I, I see what God has done in, in every season of man li man's life. We, we find ourselves unable to to move in godly wisdom in this regards. Listen what it says this. It says that Charles Spurgeon wrote to his church. He says, be silent that you might hear the voice of Jesus. Stillness means not speaking so you could hear his words. He speaks and your strength is renewed. We often miss his power because we give more ear to other voices than to his. Oh God, you're not going to talk to me? Then I'm going to go ask and hear someone else. How many have done that? God is, is taking time. He's not showing up. You're going to go get your advice from anyone, from everyone. And he says when you do this, you miss out on his voice to other voices. And quite often your own voice is an injury to yourself. For it is heard when we have received no message from the Lord. Who is speaking when we're receiving no message from the Lord? Anybody? Anybody could t speak about how a thousand voices come to speak when God is sitting there waiting and we can't be still? So we're picking up many advice from those that surround us, what we should do. And he goes on to say, if in silence we yield up to God all our own wisdom and strength, he says, brethren, I never am so full as when I am empty. I have never been so strong as when I am extremely in, we in the extremity of weakness. The source of our worst weakness, the source of our worst weakness is our own home-born strength. The source of our worst foolishness is our own personal wisdom. Keep still, you saints, till you have felt that your foolishness has left, your weakness is renewed in the strength of His glory by being able to be still. In Exodus chapter 17, we find that Israel is fighting again in verse 11. And, and Moses knows that the only thing he could do to prevail over the, the battle and the war is to lift his hands in total stillness. Like saying, look, I'm not doing anything. And as long as the leader kept his hands up in the air, says, when Moses held his hands high, Israel prevailed. And when he let his hands down, he's probably going to find a rock or an arrow, they started losing. When we start being strong in our own strength, God backs up. And when we back up, God takes over. And this is, this is a principle of God that will serve us in the coming days. The ideas that the enemy of God has is to see us involved in incredible um, feats 
of personal accomplishment so that we could prosper. We said, we're going to do this, and you're going to see it's going to go good, and I'm going to do this, and, I'm, and guess what? Nothing's going to happen. I was talking to a businessman today, over 30 properties purchased, and he's losing them all. You know what I told him? Be still. Be still and ask God to have mercy upon you because you're going to lose it all. We only have what God gives us. We only keep what God keeps with us. And we only learn those principles when we come to God. It says there in, um, in the historical um, books of the Holocaust that the Nazis would have the people of Israel grabbing a pile of rocks and moving them from one side of the labor camp to the other all day long. They would have to move all the rocks over. And when they got over here, they decided they would move them back. Okay, you guys got to move them back. And they had them doing this over the course of their imprisonment, driving them crazy. And that's only a demonstration of how we are when we think we're going to take matters in our own hands. They have no significance. After you finish your first idea that God didn't give you, it's just as good as going back and doing the same thing over again only to find out you've done nothing. And that's what, what Pharaoh had uh, the people of Israel doing with their pyramids. They were building these great big buildings. Nobody even knows what they're good for. And that's our best accomplishments without waiting upon God. We're just going to build things that have uselessness. They have, no, they have no impact. They don't mean anything. They're not ready for anything. In Psalm 62, verse 1, the psalmist writes, My soul will find its rest alone in God. Why could he find his rest there? Why could he be still in the presence of God? Because he says, because from him comes my salvation. When I'm silent, waiting on God, then I see God show up. In verse 5, he says, my soul, shut up. Be thou quiet. Be thou silent. Wait silently for God and God alone. Man, you, you can just feel the, the intense opposite cravings of our nature to saying, you know, pastor, ask me to do anything but to be still. Thousands of people have come through here over the last 14 years, and they tell me, pastor, I'll, I'll clean the toilets. I, I, will, I, will, I will vacuum the carpets. I will help you with the chairs. I will paint the walls. I will help you start Sunday school, finish Sunday school. And you know what I tell them? Can you be still? They can't. They can't for a season be still. To figure out where God wants them, what God wants from them, how God wants to restore their family before they even get involved in ministry, how God wants to speak to them quietly, and just the clutter of everything that's being thrown our way does not allow us to hear from God. So he says like this, he says, only be silent and wait upon God to show up. This is what... Joseph was telling Pharaoh, you guys know the story when he's young, he's saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to go here, I could do this, I'm going to be able to tell dreams, I'm able to let my, bro my, my brothers serve me, I'm going to let my parents serve me, we're going to move, we're going to do this. And finally he gets into the old age of wisdom and of hearing this message in Genesis 41.16. And he tells Pharaoh, 
saying, I can do nothing. It's not in me. It's not in my ability. I, I'm, I can't figure it out. But as I am quiet, as, as, I, as I just wait upon the Lord, God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. In other words, when I get out of the way, God will show up. How many, how many can identify with this? You know who could? In 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah could. She thought she had it. She thought that she could, she could walk the walk and talk the talk. And there in chapter 2, she says, you know something? I need to shut up. And those of you that are like me, do the same thing. Let's go read that real quick in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And, and there... She prays in verse 1, and Hannah prayed and said, 1 Samuel 2, 1, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies because I rejoice in what God does. Verse 2, no one is like God. There's no one besides Him. There is no rock like our God. Verse 3, he says, she says like this. She says, talk no more so very proudly. In other words, be still. Same word. Let no arrogance come from your mouth. If you cannot be still, it's only an outward sign of arrogance. It's only an outward sign that you could do more than God. For the Lord is our God. He has knowledge. And He weighs the hearts of our actions. Verse 4. The bow of mighty men are broken. And those who stumble are girded with strength. Verse 5. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread. And the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren has borne seven. And she who has many children has become feeble. She starts giving all the examples of those who have moved in their own strength and have come to nothing. And then she gives the example, the opposite of those who have been still. And have waited upon God and have seen greater strength, greater wisdom, greater fruitfulness. That's what she's talking about. And so he says, the Lord is the one who, verse 7, makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he lifts up. It is he that moves. And I love verse 9. It says, for by strength no man will prevail. On your own strength, nothing's going to go on. On God's strength, a lot of things are going to go on. There's going to be incredible moves of God in the coming years. And, the, and I, I know that 2012 stands to have great impact of fruitfulness, but for who? For those that come back into the Spirit of God. For those who come back into the Spirit of being, you know, the same thing as, as Israel had to do. That was, that was a time where, where Moses as a leader could have come up with a million ideas as to what they were going to do. And at that point, there were so many alternatives. God says, you better, not, you better not bat an eye. You better not flinch. This is my turn. And I've, I believe that 2012 is God's turn. It's God's turn to just see his glory, to see his power, to see his might, to see his goodness, to see his fruitfulness. Just to see the government, the kingdom of God being established. What, what people have been waiting for for so long with revival. You know, they can't produce revival. They needed to be still. Well, we're going to do this conference. We're going to do that conference. We're going to do this outreach. Listen, be still and watch God. Watch God move with incredible power and might. And for some of us, like I told you, it's difficult. 
It was difficult for Habakkuk in chapter 1 as we read the book of this prophet as he's seen everything go crazy. And, and he's, he's throwing a fit. He's like, Lord, you know, do something about this. I'm about to do something. Where are you? Why don't my prayers mean anything? Why haven't I been able to do anything? And you know what God tells him? What do you think God tells him? He says, be still. You know, be still because you might even miss out what I'm about to do. Be still because you don't understand that I am going to move like no one has seen me move for a long time. Habakkuk 1 verse 2, he says, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? Even cry out to you, look, violence, out of order, things are going crazy and you will not save. You know what our tendency is to do at that moment where we don't see anything going on? We're going to play God. We're going to move our family. That's like uh, uh, Naomi did. She'd moved her family out of Jerusalem to a better place, to a better standing, and only to not see the salvation. She needed to hear this message, and I'm sure God uh, would have told her in that season, be still. And then God is explaining that there is a season to be still, and, and as he does this, in chapter 2, verse 1, after God finishes answering his question, the prophet says, I will stand still. I will stand on my watch and set myself on a rampart. I'll watch to see what will say, he say to me and what I will answer when I'm corrected. He's saying, I'm going to be still. I want to see what God is going to do. I'm going to see how God is going to move. And in chapter 2, look what God responds. Has not the Lord God Almighty determined that every people's labor is only... Chapter 2, verse 13. Look what God answers. This is a funny answer the Lord gives him. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people's labor is only good as fuel for fire? You know what he's saying? Back in those days, they used to light the cow's dung. That's how they used to light fires. They would light the crap of a cow. And he says, all that you do is just fuel for the fire. There's nothing more than crap. It's good for nothing. You are participating. And he says that, that the people's labor to feed the fire and the nations weary themselves in vain. What they're doing is useless. What the, the geopolitical and the United Nations, all these guys, God must be up in heaven laughing as they're trying to put all these things together to find, listen, say with me, prosperity. They're trying to find some way out of a, of a difficult situation. And here he tells us, and there he goes in verse 14, he says, For the earth is filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. I'm going to fill the earth with my glory. In verse 20 he says, The Lord is in his temple. Let all the earth... Be still before him. I don't want to be part of that crowd that thinks that, you know, that I have the answer, that, that I'm going to put it together, that it has to be God. It has to be God that shows up. It has to be God who exalts, like, like Samuel says. It has to be him who, who sets us in place, who establishes us. 
But he says that the wicked can't do that. You want to know why the wicked can't? In verse 5, he says why. This is what God sees on those that are unable to be still. He says, the Lord, verse 5, Habakkuk 2.5. He says, indeed, because he has been transgressed by wine, he's a proud man. He does not stay at home because he enlarges his desires as hell. He is like death and cannot be satisfied. He gathers to himself all the nations and heaps up all the people. Because he's a, an arrogant and proud person, the wicked cannot be still. He is arrogant and never at rest. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15. As everything was being torn up in Israel, as the, as the prophet needed to speak to the people of Israel, the prophet Isaiah would speak these prophetic words. For thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in being still and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. You kept on moving. You kept on turning. You kept on making plans. The verse, uh, chapter 32, verse 17 says, the work of righteousness will be peace. And the effect of righteousness will be being still. When God's in control, you're not. When God is handling a manner and directing your steps, you're just giving way to His flow. Again, very difficult. Psalm 46, verse 10, He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nation. I will be exalted in the earth. I will be the, 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 the glory of the Lord is what's going to be lifted up in our day in a powerful way. Proverbs 3.24 says, cease from your own wisdom. Draw back from your strategy. And don't be part of what the world's going to do in the next move of God. We are nothing. Our competence and our prosperity and our favor comes from the Lord. Yes. Ephesians 4.14 says, no longer being like children. Children cannot be still. They have to be moving. They have to be doing. They have to be coming. They have to be going. When they're in one place, they're asking about the next. And when they're not there yet, they haven't even got there, and they're asking about the next. That's the immature character of children. He says, not like children, being tossed to and fro. I wish that Eve would have been still. How many say Amen. I wish she would have just been still. James 1.6 says, When you have moved from faith into doubt, you become like the waves of the sea, tossed to and fro. I'm asking the Lord, Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to see your hand. I want to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Psalm 37, 7 says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently. Fret not yourself because of other people doing other things. Because of men that walk in their own ways. This is a word, this is a good word for this season. This is a good word for the coming year. I guarantee that we're going to need to meditate upon this word as we enter into 2012. Lamentations 3.26, it is good to wait quietly. Why? It is good to be still. Why? Because the salvation comes from the Lord. 
it is good that one should hope and wait quietly. Our expectation is to see what God does. Luke 21, 28 says, When you see these things come to pass, look up and lift up your heads, for God's salvation is at hand and draws near. We all know the, the, the example of Martha and Mary, Martha going crazy. And the Lord saying, you know something, you're all over the place. Why was she all over the place? Because she wasn't being still. And there Mary was at the feet of Christ, being still, and says, look, that's, that's the posture. And when you have that posture, then you see everything being established and fulfilled in your life. Some of us are chasing our tails, never being able to see what God wants to do with our lives because we have not been still. It's one of the first things that I heard my mom tell me as a teenager. You can tell a real Christian by the ability a person has to wait upon the Lord. Let's stand tonight and ask the musicians to come forward and say, Lord, as we enter into this 2012 season where you are going to move in a mighty and forceful way, teach us to have a heart to be still. Teach us to have a heart to stand our ground. Teach us to be silent. I, I have told many people, they, they come into the church and they say, Pastor, I have a whole bunch of ideas. I said, you know something? I appreciate it. I do too, but I've learned to be still. I've learned that God's move is a lot greater than my move. People who have who have led us on rabbit chases down foxholes, you know, and, and not being still and, and just procreating and, and being fruitful on, on things that, that many times are just temporary. They're not necessarily a move of God. They're not necessarily what God wanted. And, and, and truly, what a devastation when we move before, uh, before the hand of the Lord. Before God wants to do something and we're already coming up with 150,000 ideas. And, and, you know, I tell them, you know, something? I'm the pastor. I've been saved for 28 years and, and I've learned something. The, the less I move, the more God moves. The, the more I just follow the Lord and let him move. Um, the example that I have that we've used many times because we feel that when we are not moving, nothing's taking place. If you were to run it would cause a lot of movement. If you were to run on the physical plane, it would, it would cause a lot of movement and you'd figure, here I am doing a whole bunch and look at me, just I'm working out. And then if, if you were to get on a bicycle, you would move less than when you're running, but you're moving faster. And then if you, that's a bicycle. If you get on a motorcycle, you move even less and you're going faster. And if you get on a car, you're moving even less than you do on a motorcycle, but you're moving faster. And if you get on an airplane, you're moving a lot less, but you're going faster than you are in a car. And if you get in a rocket, you're almost virtually at a standstill, but you're going at speeds that surpass any other thing. So the greater, the greater speed and effectivity and fruitfulness you're having, the more still you need to be. And so I'm saying, God, if you're going to put us on a track here that goes according to the speed of God, it causes me to say, you know something? Let me put this stuff down. Let me enjoy the ride. Let me see God's goodness, where he wants to take my family. Let me see what his potential of fruitfulness is. 
We could do nothing if God doesn't show up. But if God shows up, we're going to see things that they're going to say, you know something? This is God. This is God. And for that, we need to receive this word tonight. I don't know what you would have done. I, I think Moses was already used to, to the Lord saying, you know, at the, at the verge of the Red Sea, at the heated passion where everybody's looking at you, aren't you the leader? Do something. And then having God say, don't do nothing. And then, you know, just going crazy. But the truth of the matter is that when we're still, we're exercising a level of our maturity. When we're silent, when our words have ceased, is when God starts speaking and we could hear his words that will bring incredible, greater uh, force of fruitfulness and, and prosperity in our hearts. And we're going to see this. And I want to I make sure you get this clear because God gave me clear instruction as to what I'm to share tonight. And, and basically it's this. As we go into 2012, a lot of people are going to be moving. They're going to be trying to figure it out. And he's telling his people, you, you better not open your mouth. You better be still and wait on me. And, and bring back all what, it, what it could be in the natural, your strength to do something about whatever's going on in your life. And in, in the coming into the 2012 um, the Lord wants you to see what He's going to do. He's going to be very uh, clearly evident in the lives of those people that, that make room for His salvation to show up, for His answers to take care of business, and it's not going to need to be our answer. Don't, don't let whatever takes place in the coming months and weeks to move you to do something to preserve yourself, to exert prosperity, to just to say, Lord, I'm going to be still. I want to see what you do. I'm not going to be moved by fear. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to take matters in my own hands. I want to see you move. And, and that's the posture I will be taking because I know this word is for me also. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the salvation of God in the coming season. As we sing this song, now it's your turn to acknowledge the word of God before the Lord's presence in his spirit. Just close your eyes and say, Lord, teach me how to be still. Teach me how to not move my tongue in the direction to explain and instruct. As we went to Columbia two months ago, this one woman, they were going through crisis and she kept on giving her husband all this advice. She's like, but do this, but do this, but do this. But I said, well, you shut up. Just shut up until you get a word from the Lord, until God speaks, then that's what you're to issue forth. We're not just to speak for speaking's sake. We're not just to do, just to try things out. Just be still and wait for God to speak. And when God speaks, you'll know it. And it brings healing. It brings peace, prosperity. It, it does a lot of stuff. So as we sing this song, you, before the Lord, go ahead and, and just acknowledge the word and receive it with thanksgiving. And say, Lord, lead me into the way of stillness. Lead my children into the way of peace. That we might see your salvation in the coming year. In the secret, in the quiet place.